वसुदेवसुत कंसचाणूरमर्दनम देवकी परमानंदम कृष्णम वंदे जगद्गुरु so we are on the 10th chapter and um this is called vibhuti yoga the yoga of divine glories what does it mean divine glories there are three ways of looking at a three stages three phases of looking at this world looking at god and looking at ourselves by looking at means understanding seeing ourselves ourselves sentient beings and this world which we inhabit and god ultimate reality three ways three levels first level is um if you just take the world world itself the first level is this world is the sanskrit word is here to be discarded to be transcended to be renounced as the buddha said sarvam dukham it is productive of suffering it is pervaded by suffering it is all change all suffering krishna also says in the bhagavad gita prapya imam asukham lokam lokam bhajaswamam having come to this world of sorrow worship the lord worship me bible also describes this world as a veil of sorrow so this is an insight that all religions of the world saw you rain on your parade it's not a good place it's not a good place those who think it is a good place are immature so this is heyam and the bhagavad gita i mentioned earlier also that um, it takes it in three stages one is that it is dukkham it is full of sorrow it is anityam it is impermanent everything here changes the sorrows also change but the good things also change they go, all everything goes away and not only that the gita goes so far as to say it is mithya it's false where does it say that in the second chapter of the bhagavad gita the 16th verse uh, asat an appearance it's like a mirage and therefore it is so that's the first stage of understanding it the second stage of understanding this world is it is divya it is vibhuti it is the glory of god the same world it is extraordinarily beautiful it's the glory of god and the third and so this chapter that's why this chapter is about the second way of understanding understanding this world and the third way will be that this world is nothing but the absolute reality but very careful here it it is immediately prone to be misunderstood it's not materialism we are talking about the absolute reality is the world is not one is throw away the world look for god the other one is find god in the glory at the glory of god everywhere you look everywhere i look the face of the beloved flashes before me there's a song actually and then even further it's not a world it's absolute reality itself is is shining here nothing good here god alone is good stage 1 stage 2 everything is god here stage 
Everything is not. God alone is. So this is the way of understanding this, this world. This world. The three ways of understanding God. One is God is some, God exists. There's some power, some divinity somewhere which is the creator, preserver and destroyer of this world. Uh, which is omnipotent, omniscient, um, omnipresent. The, the way we describe God, a maximally perfect being uh, in all the theistic religions of the world. That's how God is described. That's the first way. Some God is there. Not this world. Not us. Something is there. Some ultimate reality. And remember, all of these are good ways of looking at, at the world, at God and as ourselves. So the first stage is looking at upon God as some being. Supreme being. A deeper understanding, which will come here, the second stage, which is coming here, is not some being, in everything, in and through everything. It's not one superb, super-powered being among many other things, but no, in and in through everything, the divinity is, is manifested. It is, God is everything. This is the second way of looking at God. And the third way of looking at God is uh, as the absolute reality, which is identical to you. You are that, that you know, Brahman, as pure being, pure awareness, pure consciousness. Three, three levels. Supremely powerful being, one. Two. Supremely powerful, of course, but everything. Third, beyond that, Know everything, just that pure being alone. Brahman alone, third level. Similarly, there are three levels of looking at ourselves. Who am I? I'm just this guy. Just this person. As born, Hindus and Buddhists and Jains will tell me and Sikhs will tell me I was born many times. I'll be born in future also. But anyway, in this life, I'm just this person. This body, this personality, just this person. And um, struggling through life. Just the way we look at ourselves. That's one way of looking at it. A deeper way of looking at it would be, I am a spiritual being. When everything is the glory of God, it's the second stage, you know. And God is everything. In that case, I also must be a spiritual being. So that's the second way of looking at ourselves. Not just this person. This is the way I am right now. A spiritual being having a human experience. The first stage is a human being trying to have a spiritual experience. The second stage is a spiritual being having a human experience. And we have had many such experiences earlier and this will go on. Third, finally, I am that absolute reality. Aham Brahmasmi. Somebody told me that. Sam Altman of, uh, of ChatGPT fame, the OpenAI fame, he tweeted, Atman is Brahman. Somebody asked him, tell, tell us one thing that you believe which is not generally understood or believed. And he said, I believe that Atman is Brahman. I mean, just what I saw, somebody sent it to me. So that's the, the ultimate way of looking at ourselves. You are that absolute reality. So three stages. Each is connected. If you look at yourself as just this person, I am this person. Then God is another person for you, a supremely powerful person, a supremely loving person, a perfect person, a maximally good person. How do you know? You don't. That's why it can be doubted. 
it can be there are people who may not be believers it's taken on faith not that it's uh, foolish to take it on faith no i think people who take it on faith deeply seriously believe they are more intelligent than do those who claim to not believe so taken on faith that's the first stage but and the world also will be a world of sorrow and suffering i turn from this to my beloved god that will be the attitude that's the first level of uh, spirituality and spiritual not wrong not lower not to be condemned but deeper um, would be that um, i this one spiritual being seeing the divinity of god reflected everywhere and god is that which encompasses me and this world also and of course supremely powerful in all of that and even further i am not a body a mind i'm not even a spiritual being i am that absolute reality i am brahman the advaitic realization you can sort of map it to the three stages of vedanta three schools of vedanta dvaita dualistic school vishishta dvaita that is the qualified monism and advaita non dualism and none of these are wrong vivekananda says they can be likened to taking pictures of the sun from a distance from you take it from here you have a little shiny fiery dot you know from outer space you take it further reaches of the solar system you have a dot in the sky and then you come from the sun from the earth you see is a fiery disk you go closer and closer it becomes bigger and you close come close to the sun and it's huge now none of them are wrong pictures they're just taken from distances now why am i saying all this this is that middle stage where world is not to be um, you know condemned renounced no having known it's not denying it's not pulling putting a wool over your eyes not um, looking at the world through rose tinted glasses you see the miserable horrible side of the world but then see the lord is saying everything here is from me because i am everything that's what's happening now there is one more beyond this but he is not going there now krishna is not going there now so this is the background to what i was saying now we go on to the seventh verse If you want you can repeat after me etam vibhutim yogam cha etam vibhutim yogam cha mama yoveti tatvatah mama yoveti tatvatah sova avikampe na yogena sovikampe na yogena युज्यते नात्र संशयः युज्यते नात्र संशयः ही हु नोस इन ट्रुथ दिस ग्लोरी एंड पावर ऑफ माइंड अटेन्स अनफ्लिंचिंग योगा देयर इज नो डाउट अबाउट दिस सो व्हाट ही सेज हियर यूजेस टू वर्ड्स योगा एंड विभूति योगा ऑफ कोर्स इज अ अम्ब्रेला टर्म इट्स यूज्ड इन many many senses of course in new york it means downward dog <laughs> but if you ask vivekananda it means bhakti yoga karma yoga raja yoga gyana uh, yoga in fact his first book published from here in the vedanta society of new york was raja yoga is classic its translation and commentary on the patanjali yoga sutras uh, 
And in the Bhagavad Gita, if you ask what's yoga, each chapter is a yoga. But what he means by yoga here is, yoga maya, that is the power of Brahman, the absolute reality, it has a power of projecting itself as this universe. The power of projecting itself as this universe. That is yoga. As power it is called yoga. And when it manifests itself as this universe, it is called vibhuti. Vibhuti means glory. So as the unmanifest power, maya, shakti, it's called yoga here. As the manifest universe, both seen and unseen, it is, it is called vibhuti. Vibhuti means glory, basically. The glory of the Lord. So the Brahman, the absolute reality, is just the absolute reality. It's there. It has a power. That absolute reality, existence, consciousness, bliss, with this power is called the God of religion. In Vedantic terms, Saguna Brahman. Ishwara, Bhagavan, Saguna Brahman are, as we know it, God and Father in heaven, heaven and Jehovah and Allah, the absolute with the power of, of Maya, Shakti. When the power is, you see it just as power, it, that, that's the term yoga. That is abhyakta, unmanifest. Sometimes it's manifest as this, as this extraordinary universe, tremendous, diverse universe. It's not exactly relevant, but I just mention it because I remembered this. There's this uh, very brilliant mathematician, I never met him, but I met people who have met him, uh, Marvin Minsky. He passed a few years ago. So he was staunch materialist. And I was listening to one of his lectures, it was closer to the truth, uh, Robert Lawrence Kuhn has interviewed him. Recently, I, I had an interview with Robert Lawrence Kuhn here in New York. So he also mentioned uh, Minsky, if I remember. Anyhow, in, his, in this interview with um, Robert, he, was, uh, uh, he asked Minsky that, so this consciousness, does this theory of consciousness, or, you know, does the very fact of consciousness, does it disprove materialism? And of course, Minsky is a diehard materialist. He says, no. He says that all we know is this material world. This is the only thing. Those who think that there's some other reality, they're just wasting cubic centimeters of their brain. <laughs> to me, you know, but, but the, what I heard was all that we know this material reality. I would have said to him, Professor, look at the language you used. This material reality, but you said we. You said no. How is it that this material reality, if this is all that there is, but it's dependent on knowledge? Because you yourself said we know. And knowledge in turn is dependent on you. We said we. You've bought in knowledge, you've bought in self. You've bought in consciousness, you've bought in self. In order to talk about the only reality that there is, which is the material universe. Of course, I know what he will say. He will say that, oh, all this consciousness, self and all is, is uh, born of the brain. But that's already assuming. You're already assuming that uh, you know, like, there's no hard problem of consciousness and uh, assuming something which neuro no neuroscientist, com consciousness studies expert will go out on a limb to assert that there is only uh, the brain and brain is producing consciousness because then, then they cannot answer how is brain producing consciousness. So anyway, 
for me, that's just that very first sentence. All we know is this material reality is, is immediately self-contradictory because it contains the terms we know. Then all of it cannot be the material reality. In that case, you have to show how we and know comes out of that material reality. You have to answer the hard problem of consciousness. Anyway, just by the way. <laughs> Uh, it's related to what I'm saying. So this yoga, the power of God, Shakti, it's sometimes in a potential state when we call it Shakti or power of God, sometimes in a manifest state. In Sanskrit, Abhyakta and Vyakta. It's not difficult to understand. It's not theology. It happens to all of us. All of us. Every day, when you fall asleep, in deep sleep, it goes into a potential state. Your world, your personal world. Your body, mind, personality and the world that you experience from your perspective, it disappears into a blankness. Just goes. But it's not gone. It comes back. You wake up. You see the same world and you have more or less the same memory, same personality which comes back again. So from your perspective, this is a good way of understanding yoga and vibhuti. And this is not what is meant because yoga and vibhuti are not applied to us. Oh, so Swami said, when I fall asleep, that is yoga. And when I wake up, that is vibhuti. No, that's for God, not for us. But it's a good way of understanding what is being said here. Your world, the way it is when you are in deep sleep or when you are in, under general anesthesia <laughs> yeah. is yoga. It's power. We, we think of it as nothing. It's not nothing. All of what you consider yourself to be is packed into it in a seed form. And it bursts forth when you wake up. That is called vibhuti. That's your glory. We don't think of it that way. We don't think of our deep sleep as yoga, as power. And we don't think of our waking up as glory. We think of our deep sleep as that's nothing. And when we wake up, we don't think of it as glory. We think it's miserable. It's horrible. <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> but from God's perspective, it is power and it is glory. So that's what he says here. Etam vibhutim yogam cha. Yo vetti tattvata. The one who understands it in reality. How do you understand it in reality? Three stages, remember. One is, the world is miserable. There is a God who is all powerful. Second stage is, no, this is the glory of God. This universe. This magnificent universe everywhere. It's the glory of God. This is tattvata in reality. And the third stage finally. No, it is my glory. Because I am that absolute reality. The enlightened one. When that enlightened one goes into deep sleep or general anesthesia or in samadhi, it sees the whole universe, including body and mind, disappearing into a potential state. The enlightened one is still there. As, as pure being, pure awareness. And when it bursts forth again into body, mind, waking, awareness, this universe. You see this? It's a very clear demonstration of this thing going into a potential. This thing means this universe, your life, your experience, going into a seed state and bursting forth into, a, into a, this world. So this is the way to look at it. That I am when you when the enlightened one realizes, "Aham Brahmasmi," I am Brahman. This is the way the enlightened one sees uh, the experience of 
waking, dreaming, deep sleep. Then they can claim this is my yoga, my vibhuti. So avikampena yogena yudhyate natra samshaya. Then comes avikampa means unshaken. Here the second yoga is um, the samyak darshana. Tikakar, the, the commentator says here, it is uh, knowledge. It is right view, right understanding. Avikampa, unshaken. This is unshaken. One gets unshaken clarity, conviction. There is no more doubt about it anymore. That solves your problems. At three levels it solves your problems. If you have a firm, deep devotion, love of God, that solves your problems to some extent at least. If you have this idea, this is all the Lord's glory, we will see how it solves your problem. Or if you are at the final realization, I am Brahman, of course it completely solves your problem. In a deep philosophical sense, in an existential sense, not in the worldly sense. It pay, won't pay off your mortgage, it won't uh, uh, settle, it, uh, you'll still have to get medical insurance and all of that is still there. The world will be exactly as it is, appears to be. How do we know? A lot of people are very convinced about many things. Here Krishna says, Natra Samshaya, there is no doubt about this. I guarantee this. Now in the next four verses, how this glory, seeing this, remember we are at the second stage of seeing the world as glory. First stage, discard the world, sorrowful, miserable, it's a veil of sorrow. Second stage, no, it is the glory of God. So the glory of God, that stage. When being at that stage, how does it help you to become fully enlightened, how you are set free from sorrow? Four verses will be given, now Krishna will tell you. The world is Heya Divya Brahma. I've said this again and again. This is something I'm sharing from the Swami who told me this. Pranav Chaitanya Ji. Heya, to be discarded. Divya, no, not to be discarded. To see God everywhere. That's the purpose of the world. We don't see the world as in that way. We see the world as, this is where I fulfill my desires. Where I make friends and um, allies. Where I fight with my enemies and uh, acquire stuff. Where I win, I become the, the winner in this world, the winner of the rat race, you know, the top rat. <laughs> this is how we see the world and we, we guarantee suffering for ourselves. So this is the first stage. Second stage is, no, that's not the, what the world is for. The world is for showing me the glory of God. I see the face of God in everything. And the third stage would be, it's not about the world at all. It's one unbroken, in, with eyes closed and eyes open. One, in deep sleep, in samadhi and awake with eyes open experiencing this world, one unbroken, unchanged radiance. But this we are in the second stage now. Eight, nine, ten and eleven. These are the verses where Krishna will tell us how that second stage is going to help us. Eight verse. Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo Matta Sarvam Pravartate Matta Sarvam Pravartate Iti Matva Bhajante Mam Iti Matva Bhajante Mam 
बुधा भाव समन्विता बुधा भाव समन्विता I am the source of all everything is produced out of me knowing thus the wise worship me with devotion all right so how do you regard the world god and yourself in this stage you regard god god is krishna god is saying here i am the source of all everything in this universe it's not a separate thing it's all produced out of me by the way those who are catholics those who are no catholic theology this is deep catholic theology if you ask a catholic father who is well grounded in his theology would what is god he would say god is actually contrary to what you might think by reading the bible that god is some supremely powerful being no no god is one one thing among one powerful being among many no 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 god is the being of this universe that from which the entire universe has emanated literally this so um i am that i'm the source of all and from me everything has come in vedanta this is called nimitta karana upadana karana it's like think of it this way the carpenter would say i am the source of all this furniture but he wouldn't say from me the furniture has come the furniture has come from wood so the creator the intelligence behind it the power behind it is called nimitta karana or, or the uh, intelligent cause and the material the stuff out of which this universe is made uh, is called uh, the uh, material cause upadana karana here krishna is saying i god am both am both do you have examples of that in you know how how do we understand it is can there be anything in this universe which is where the a creator and the substance are one and the same you create something out of yourself spider is a good example the uh, spider spins a web the spider as a being in sentient being is the intelligent cause behind this web and from the perspective of the spider's body it's the very material of that body which spins out the web so it's a good example Uh, so in the mundaka upanishad we have this mantra yathurnanabhi srijate yathurnanabhi srijate grinhate cha yatha prithivyam oshadhaya sambhavanti yatha satah purushat keshalomani tatha aksharat sambhavati ha vishvam as from the spider a web is emanated and pulled back in as from the earth herbs and shrubs come come out as from the living human body hair comes out hair is produced similarly from the akshara from the immutable reality emanates this universe so three examples to show three things the spider to show that it's both the uh, the intelligent cause and the material cause not only god has created the imperishable reality the absolute reality has is behind this universe but also it's from that alone that's the only substance that there is the only reality that there is so somebody might think that then that oh so that's a lot of work the poor spider puts in a lot of work to create a web how much effort god must have put to create this universe so the second example shows as effortlessly the earth effortlessly you know gives rise to herbs and shrubs and plants and similarly effortlessly from that absolute reality the world appears oh but the earth 
you can think of the earth as an insentient being it's like rock and clay and stones and so is so is that ultimate reality some kind of material power that would bring a smile to minsky's face yeah. like big bang so that's the third example no as from a living body from our living body comes out hair and nails and notice hair and nails at least from our perspective it's effortless and not only that they're also dead they're of a different nature from our, your, yourself from the living body uh, so similarly from pure consciousness appears um, the insentient universe material universe from that which is limitless appears this limited universe from that which is the subject appears the object and so on anyway these are the examples um that's what krishna wants to say here now he says having known this having understood this buddha the wise they they no longer think this world is something terrible to be thrown aside they bhajante mang they worship me as what as all of this in all things in life why would they worship me you see now everything in life is god because it's made of god it's made of god stuff um you know material things human beings all of them are god for us now um you know everything comes from god there's a, this nice story that Uh, old story the scientist comes to the priest and says that uh, we have synthesized life in the laboratory god is not the source of life and the priest is oh let show me so come to the lab and he goes to the lab and the scientist says that first take a little bit of earth and the priest says oh make your own earth first <laughs> so from me has everything come which means in my particular in my life that which i find to be unacceptable miserable the people the places the job the state of health the state of finances what i don't like in my life that's also god whether i like it or not it no longer depends on my likes and dislikes in fact those who understand this deeply what will happen their likes and dislikes will even out the bad people are no longer all that bad and the specially attractive pleasurable um, you know glittering things in the world which attract me money and pleasure and uh, facebook likes and things like that they are no longer all that good either because i see behind them one divinity that divinity alone is good that divinity alone is good not the way it manifests whatever manifests then what are these good and bad things they are vibhuti the glory of god there was this monk who came to dakshineshwar when sri ramakrishna was there the kali temple he would stay in the hut and in samadhi for hours and hours but once in a while he would emerge and he would look at the sky and the clouds and the river and the temple and would say in, in hindi you no know, wah wah bravo bravo who is he saying bravo to to god wow what's all this magic show the great magician appearing in this this dazzling display i bow down to god in all of these forms 
I don't want any of these. I don't reject any of these. But my focus is now on, he says, bhajante mang. So what does this person do? This person's focus now is entirely on God. The atheist will say, where is this God of yours? And this person, in the second stage of looking at God, will say, where is God not? You see God in a 10,000 ways. God is not, uh, not hidden anymore. God is, is revealed. That's why this becomes unshakable. See, in the first stage, God is still very much a matter of faith. This world is awful. I am just this guy having a hard time here. And I believe at trying to believe that there is some God. But it's a matter of faith. And even if you have good faith, strong faith, it can get shaken. Even the strongest of faith gets shaken. Um, Mother Teresa in her diaries, you know, if you see the last, not at the beginning, not in the middle, towards the end of her life, in one place, she writes that, uh, I pray and pray and pray into the darkness. There is no answer. There is only silence. You can get shaken. But when you get to, you look at God in this, this perspective, you're seeing all this. How can it get shaken? In every way, it becomes stronger. It's still faith. Don't get me wrong. But it's um, sort of faith becoming as firm as I know. I, I, it's not that I just believe. I know. Because I see it everywhere. It becomes a conviction. It becomes unshakable. Bhava samanvita. Bhava is a difficult word to translate. Very important word in Sanskrit. But bhava is basically a spiritual attitude. It's emotion. It's condensed, crystallized emotion. Very deeply focused on God. All our loves, our hates, our likes and dislikes, everything focused on God. Someone asked Sri Ramakrishna, how do I overcome lust? And he says, why would you overcome lust? Strengthen it and direct it towards God. Greed, lust, anger, all of that. There was a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner, I think Scott who came here who told us, three approaches in Buddhism to deal with um, you know, the enemies in spiritual life. Anger, greed, lust, negativities. How do you deal with it? The Theravada approach, which is strictly monastic approach. Saravada approach is stay away from it. Absolutely. But then you can see that that will work for a monk. Monks and nuns don't mix with the opposite sex. Don't touch money. Lead a very austere life. Don't pursue any worldly goal at all. Just pursue your spiritual goal. That's it. But then you have to be a monk. You can't be anything else. Though that's why the Saravada cultures are very monastic. You find them in Southeast Asia, in um, Thailand, in in Burma, in um, Cambodia, Vietnam, in Sri Lanka especially. That's the first approach. How do you deal with these problems in spiritual life? Just stay away. Then the second one is the Mahayana approach. The Mahayana approach which developed in Buddhism when much more and more householders. So when you are a Grihastha householder, you have a job. You have a husband, a wife and children. Um, you can't stay away from society. You have to be in the middle of society. Then how do you deal with it? Then comes the question of upaya, skillful means. When you are faced with anger, lust, greed, you substitute skillfully. You overcome anger with peace. 
such beautiful verses, Pali verses. We used to chant in our, as novices. And we used to just chant it mechanically. But they are so simple and powerful. Uh, Buddhist. Akko dhena jine kodham By non-anger, peace, serenity, conquer anger. By contentment, conquer greed. By control, self-control, conquer lust. And these sound very simple, but they are, once you start doing them, they are actually powerful techniques of, of dealing with these problems in life. If you are in the middle of it, if you can't step away from it, that's the Mahayana approach. Then he says, he is a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner, and this is of course a Tibetan Buddhist perspective, so they will put themselves at the top. So they say, there is a third approach, um, the Tantric Buddhist approach, where it says, don't stay away from them. Don't replace them. Strengthen them, the negativities, anger, lust, greed, and use them, ride them towards enlightenment. They have techniques, they have techniques actually of visualization. And so the third one is the most powerful, also the most dangerous, the most slippery, <laughs> most slippery and dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so um, here, one way of doing the third one is given here, that everything that comes uh, is God. You see God in everything. Sri Ramakrishna says, directed towards God. Directed towards God. Whatever comes. Love, desire, hatred, anger. If you have a complaint, a grudge, directed towards God. Tell God. A very touching story. Those who know the story of Sri Ramakrishna and Masharada, you know this incident. Others have to give a little background. So, she was married when very young. You know, that was typical in those days, in 19th century Bengal. And she lived in this little village. And he was the temple, the priest of Kali in Dakshineshwar. So the occasion came when she wanted to come and meet her husband. And in those days, traveling from Jarambati Kamarpukur to Dakshineshwar, now you can do it in a matter of hours. Um, though even now the roads are not all that good. From an American perspective. <laughs> Somebody went to India and came back and told me, I, for the first time, when I was, came back here, I was so glad that the roads don't have potholes <laughs> and the buses have shock absorbers. <laughs> so there are many good roads in India, but not the ones leading to the small villages. Uh, and so uh, somebody told me that they were going to Kamar Pukur Jarambati, uh, the little village, even now. And they are going on this vehicle and they see this great big bus tearing down the same little lane towards them, straight towards them. <laughs> I say, why are they coming at me? Why are they coming this way? The only answer in India is because they can. <laughs> and don't worry, they're going to miss you, but only by an inch, by an inch. <laughs> so in those days, it was even more difficult. It was even more difficult. And with all that difficulty, she comes to meet with all hopes and expectations. She knows her husband is this great uh, spiritual sadhaka who is lost in the love of devotion to Kali. She comes. And she's told to get lost. Because his uh, nephew, Ridai, who is to take care of him, was seized by jealousy. That, oh, she has come. She's his wife. Maybe she'll supplant me. Now she's going to be like his uh, you know, sec uh, right hand and then I'll lose my position. So he tells her, why have you come? Just go back. I'm dealing with everything here and there's no need for you to stay here. And I can't take care of both of you. And the, the sad thing is, when Swami Atma Priyanji told me, the sad thing is, 
Sri Ramakrishna didn't support her. He just turned away from her. So here's this young, she was a teenager at that time. And this, she gets this very rude behavior after all her effort. She's a simple village girl. But what does she do? She doesn't fight with Riday. She doesn't complain to Ramakrishna. She goes straight to the temple of Kali and bows down there and says, Mother, I had come here, but it seems you don't want me to stay here. I'll go away. When you want me to come again, I'll come. And she went back quietly. She, she directs even her complaints, her sorrow to the, to the mother, to, to, to God. One Swami Vivekananda was uh, making fun of Sri Ramakrishna long after Sri Ramakrishna had attained Mahasamadhi. Some monks were there. One of the monks was scandalized. He said, you're making fun of Sri Ramakrishna. And Swami Vivekananda turned upon him and he said, so what do you think? I should make fun of you? Meaning, even the object of my fun is God. No, no less is the divine. I shall not descend to, to smallness, pettiness, small things. Bhava Samanvita, with love. These wise ones, they worship me with love, who realize this is all, the, all my glory. How is this your glory? This is a terrible world. No, all this has come from me. It's made of God's stuff. And uh, it is made by God or projected by God. Ninth verse. So this bhava, how do you do that? And that is explained in the ninth verse, the practice. Machitta madgata prana Machitta madgata prana Bodhayanta parasparam Bodhayanta parasparam Kathayantaschamam nityam Kathayantaschamam nityam Tushyanti charamanti cha Tushyanti charamanti cha With their mind and senses directed to me Explaining me to each other and talking of me They are always pleased and happy So how do you worship God with love, this bhava, how do you generate this? Matchitta, think of God. See, we can consider ourselves to be spiritual seekers, but at the end of the day, how much time, what's your goal in life? God realization. And today, how much time did you think about God? Not at all. <laughs> Days are passing by. I read the diary of a, a very senior monk. I mean, I was not snooping after he had passed. Um, he writes there many many years ago days are passing by uh, and I'm not even thinking about God I'm astonished to find that the mind is not on God he was a wonderful monk I mean of course but it just shows his spiritual progress so Machitta am I thinking about God or am I thinking about the world this is how the Vibhuti Yoga helps us because here if I'm thinking about the world you're thinking about God Krishna will show us throughout the rest of the chapter. Here, I am the sun among all the heavenly bodies. I am the river Ganga or the Hudson among all the all that all the water bodies. Uh, I, I am and so on. I am this. I am that. So whatever we come across in our day-to-day -day lives, Krishna is saying they are actually everything is Krishna, is God. 
but specifically the more glorious ones which we like which we enjoy which pulls our attention krishna says there see god there see god there start start there and we come across these things all our uh, all throughout our day and say see seeing god in the boss so i mean you don't even krishna doesn't to say the boss already thinks that he is god so <laughs> so you come across all of this in your day to day life and so this will remind you again and again of the divine presence see in the first stage it's an effort because the world is a dreary lonely terrible place and you have to make an effort to think about god who is something or somebody else but here it is divinity reflected everywhere then what do they do madgata prana their energies here he says sense organs but basically what are we trying to see and hear and smell and taste and touch where are we going walking what are we holding what are we using our tongues to talk about our motor organs our sense organs are they constantly engaged with worldliness or are they engaged with the world with with god they will be engaged with the world because that's what the sense organs are for but when you see vibhuti the glory of god in these things you will find that your the senses also flow towards god literally the word prana means senses but also it means our energies the life energies where are they flowing normally what happens is our life energies and thoughts are directed towards the world this is mine that's not mine but soon it will be mine when see what's wrong with that krishna will say in a later chapter this is the thinking of demons <laughs> that makes a lot of us <laughs> puts us in trouble <laughs> this has been this is what i've got so far and the rest of it it's in my wish list in my shopping cart in amazon <laughs> that too shall be mine but the problem with that is krishna is now pointing out since all of it is none other than god i am claiming something that doesn't belong to me and this this sets up a deep conflict within us we're trying to hold on to something that will not stay still it is the world it will keep changing we're trying to hold on to people who are continuously changing you're not the same person i loved <laughs> that, that was a construct you didn't even know that person you loved and it's literally true it's not the same person you can't help it everybody is changing the um the world is continuously changing jagat is that gachati ti jagat gachati means goes shariram shiryate that which deteriorates is the body that which degenerates is the body that which goes is the world that's a very etymological derivation of the word jagat to go so it's continuously changing um and trying to hold on to that as mine is asking for trouble but continuously changing world all of it is god's glory in that case it will all our pranas will be running to god our energies are running to god not to the world anymore they're not hooked to our constructs our imaginings of the world the tension will go away before that when we try to hold on to people and the world or a state of health or state of finances this is good ideal it should remain like this it won't sorry to say it will dissipate when we try to do that we are under tremendous strain yeah. this exhaustion 
because it's like pouring water into sandy soil. It's wasted. Our energies are flowing away and dissipated without, uh, without any return. But when we pour our energies to God, when we see all of these as the glory of God, in my work, in the family, in my, um, you know, taking care of this body also, all of it is God's glory. See, none of this in the world, nor the people, nor the money, nor the gadgets, nor the positions, none of it is mine. I, want, I say, it's mine. That person is mine. This house is mine. That money is mine. It is not. It's, it's a lie. It's thievery, plain and simple. I'm claiming something. Krishna is clearly stating the opposite here. It's not yours. I am that and it is mine. Including our bodies. Including our closest people. Husband, wife, children. So whether they are there or not there. It's God's sweet will because... It, it, that person belonged to God and was no, none other than God. And our possessions, our own bodies, our pranas, life energies, our senses and our thoughts, they all belong to God. They have been produced by God, manifested by God, they are the glories of God. Then other than these, what are we? We are spiritual beings. That's the second stage of looking at ourselves. I am consciousness. And the spiritual being with the equipment of this particular body and mind granted to me by the grace of God. So this is like, you know, you give your keys to your teenage son or daughter. Take the car out for a spin. So God has given us the keys to this body. Take it out for a spin. But it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to. <laughs> but when we say that it belongs to God, then in every experience we acknowledge that. And a great rest comes upon us. It's God's. God will take care of it. Swami Ramakrishna Nandaji, one of the disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, he is the one who established the uh, Ramakrishna Mat in the monastery in Chennai, Madras. So in the early days, the monastery was there in Mailapur. Those who have been, uh, seen that. So one gentleman would come to the ashram and he had many projects. And he would tell the Swami about the plans for social reform and social uplift and so many things he would not, not much of it, he didn't do anything about it, but he had plans. <laughs> so one day, he is saying all this, and then the Swami was quiet, Ramakrishna Anji, and he just made one observation. He said, I'm thinking, what did God do before you were born? <laughs> <laughs> so even if we do, if you're social activists, if you're doing, you have a good cause, you're helping people, great, great, most worthwhile but remember, even that is by the will of God. And the people you are helping, they too are the glory of God. This is true renunciation. Knowing that they are all, they all belong, everything belongs to God, everything is nothing but God. See, uh, this Ishwaran, Eknath Ishwaran, in his commentary in the Gita, nicely he puts it this way. <laughs> he says, you go to your friend Jeff and you say, Jeff, I hereby renounce your guitar and your car and your house. <laughs> what do you mean? It doesn't belong to you. Jeff will say, it belongs to me. That's why even this first stage of renouncing the world, that is transcended here. This is a higher way of looking at it. It already, everything belongs to God. Uh, in the Isha Upanishad, the first mantra, 
द फर्स्ट लाइन इज़ वेरी फेमस ईशावास्यमिदम सर्वम यत किंच जगत्याम जगत परवेड एवरीथिंग इन दिस यूनिवर्स मूविंग एंड अनमूविंग इज परवेडेड बाय गॉड यू सी गॉड इन एवरीथिंग बट इन द सेकंड लाइन इज आल्सो इंटरेस्टिंग तेन त्यक्तेन भुंजीथा प्रोटेक्ट योर नॉलेज योर स्पिरिचुअलिटी बाय रिनंसिएशन बाय रिनंसिंग व्हाट विल यू रिनंस मागृध कस्य स्विधनम डू नॉट कवेट इट्स वेरी सिंपलिस्टिक डू नॉट कवेट एनीबॉडीज वेल्थ बट देन शंकराचार्य सेज do not covet anybody's wealth means do not covet anything that belongs to anybody else or even your own so called quote unquote then he goes even deeper do not covet anything because there is nothing to covet all is god all is brahman the absolute reality existence consciousness bliss so it's like you say i now renounce all this like going to jeff and saying i'm renouncing all of your possessions not jeff that's krishna here Krishna will say, "You have nothing to renounce anyway. They all—it all belongs to it. All belongs to me. It's good that you have woken up to the fact. Now your life gets much better, because you are still in the same place, same family, same job, same environment. But now you see everything as the glory of God. Then what do these people do? Bodhayantaf parasparam. They talk about God. As I said, Swami Vivekananda said, 'Shall I make fun of you? What will you talk about?'" No, that's the interesting thing. Whitehead, he said, religion is what a person does with his solitude, with his solitariness. Actually, or Swami Medan and Ayan March quoted this recently. Um, what a person does with his or her solitariness. So when I'm set free, when I've done all my work, I'm free. What do I do? Ah, oh, it's all done. Now I'm going to relax. <laughs> What is my relaxation? Is the name of God my relaxation? Is reading about Vedanta or the lives of the saints? I saw one monk who was very ill. He would he had a small picture of Sri Ramakrishna. He would look at that Sri Ramakrishna picture. That's his relaxation. And sometimes, when he would feel very sick he would keep the picture on his close his eyes and keep the picture on his chest and hold on to that even spiritual practitioners so we have got mantra we have got meditation techniques we have vedanta classes to go we all put that as things to do it's not relaxation that is <laughs> i have done my meditation thank god it's done <laughs> one monk came once i'll tell he said in bengali but i'll i'll tell you in translated in english he had done a lot of japa for a long time he did japa repeating the mantra and he he came bengalis will appreciate it he said uh, he came down and triumphantly said 10000 namiye dilam i just you know i don't know how to translate that 10000 i just repeated the mantra 10000 but that's not the flavor of the bengali it's like um, you know i just uh, What do you? Say? How would you put it? Namiya dila. I pounded out ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, I pounded out ten thousand. If you ask, yeah, I'm working really hard at enlightenment. No, 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 no. <laughs> What do you do with with not with your strenuous spiritual practices? What do you do with your solitude, with your relaxation, with your leisure? Sri Ramakrishna says. in the gospel of sri ramakrishna 
what do i see people elderly people they've retired from jobs what are they doing in the leisure he says they're playing cards i look at them and i think isn't it yet time to call on god but of course he's just saying that time is passing and you have to come you have to become you have to start spiritual life in earnest in whatever form but what he's also saying is look they have leisure stop i remember swami bhuteshananda ji maharaj he told us once he was 12th president of our order once he was telling us about his spiritual practices in the himalayas where he would spend day and night in meditation repeating the name of of uh, the mantra ishta mantra uh, of of sri ramakrishna and then he said after long practice day and night and how he struggled my god i've seen the place where he used to meditate a little cottage up in the himalayas it's still there some of his disciples they uh, repaired it um, there was a time when he would um, he said snowing so hard he couldn't go to beg for his food so uh, he only had a little bit of rice and dal so he thought he will make khichdi khichdi with it you know rice and dal and boil it he had he lit a fire and he put the pan and and he put rice and dal it's not boiling because it's so cold and then he tried and tried and then he said fire upon me have i come here to make khichdi to the himalayas have come here to repeat the name of god so he quickly cooled down because he had just got ice melted water from outside to <laughs> to boil the thing. so whatever that half cooked rice and dal he said he cooled it down he stuffed it into his mouth wiped his uh, face and he sat down for meditation like that once he said you're sitting for meditation dark of the night as the evening was falling the door wouldn't close there's a broken door and he saw this huge snake slither into the hut and the next moment darkness fell so we asked him what did you do and he had this slow drawl you know in bengali in bengali i'll translate it in english he said uh, i stayed and he also stayed amio thaklam shevo thaklo the next morning uh, when light came he saw the snake had already slithered out sometime in the night how would you stay and meditate in a room small small hut with a snake next to you i don't know i couldn't i would rather stay outside <laughs> now why i'm saying all this in this way he passed his days and one day he wanted to test himself so he said here i am meditating on sri ramakrishna and i told my mind you go wherever you like because nobody listens watching you except i myself let me see just go where you like just think about what you want to think no longer discipline no longer practice and he says i noticed the mind ran straight to the lotus feet of the lord in bengali he said dekla mon shoja ge thakurer padapadde gelo so that is what you do with your leisure when you are set free to do whatever you like that's what you like and such people bodhayantah parasparam they explain they talk about god to each other sri ramakrishna would say when people come when these young disciples came he said thank god you have come all these worldly people come and talk about worldly things my ears are burning 
you talk about money and politics and worldly stuff my ears are burning i remember the story of a, a monk i heard it from another monk so this was in banaras in our ashram there this monk who told the story to the other monk who told me um so he was reading a newspaper it's not forbidden to read a newspaper he's reading it and those were old days like 60 70 years ago and newspapers had barely had one or two photographs black and white fuzzy photographs and that's all and then um, swami premeshanand ji who was a disciple of the masharada who was really regarded as a brahmagyani enlightened person in his lifetime he was very ill he was being taken in a perambulator a wheelchair and the young novice who told me the story later he was taking wheeling him across the courtyard and he saw this monk reading a newspaper carefully and he said in he shouted across the courtyard so everybody could hear read it read it carefully carefully look at the picture of all the women in the advertisements there and this monk as if he was scalded you know he threw the picture paper down in in <laughs> his face flushed with embarrassment he uh, went away he told this novice year, uh, years later says from that day onwards i haven't been able to touch a newspaper there was a teaching what do you want to spend your life on in in uh, in leisure time think about high things talk about high things bodhayanta parasparam so when devotees gather together they will talk about spirituality god and so on kathayantascha mam nityam and here the commentator also says nyaya upetehi shutyaadi pramani on not just my theory of god and my let me tell you about my understanding no based textual based on what i studied in the gita and the upanishads in the ashtavakra you know so something solid textual and nyaya logically with reasoning kathayantascha literally means speaking about me again but here it means um singing you know kirtan here it literally means sankirtanta that means singing the glories of god nityam not once in a while not one more practice to be done the krishna said i must sometimes talk about god so let me do that and thank god it's done i've done my quota about talking about god it's because i like it and don't force it but this is what it should come the mind should slowly become like this i like it don't be a bore however then <laughs> i want to talk about god but my kids are not interested that's what moms do often the moment they become passionate about vedanta spirituality or anything they first want to impose it on their kids <laughs> they don't be a bore tushyanti ramanti cha they are uh, always pleased and happy oh i wanted to complete all four but anyway um so uh, any questions observations yes yes so many uh, related to this topic but i go to the chapter 2 na sthita pragna qualities so once arjuna asks right sthita sthita pragna sekavaka then sri krishna answers in 18 verses mm. after that describing in detail so if that is the because of the bhakti literature because when i look at the gnana literature like uh, mundaka upanishad prano hi ashiha sarva bhute vivati vijanan vidwan bhavate nativati hmm. so so they simply say sativadi na bhavati so i'm sure not both are 
No, but the Stita Pragya, uh, the answers given by Krishna to Arjuna, when Arjuna asks, what is the nature of an enlightened being? How to describe an enlightened being? But that's Jnana literature. In the second chapter, you will see, there is, uh, he, doesn't, he has not even started the, the topic of bhakti, of devotion. It's a person who has realized, I am Brahman. Then what's that person like? No, those are not pre- prerequisites. Those are practices. You can see. Um, Shankaracharya says, these are qualities noticed in a sthitapragya, in an enlightened person. The, the qualities which are natural to enlightened beings are clues for practice for the rest of us. So if a saint is forbearing, all sorts of problems, forbears. Forbearance is a very good practice for the whole of us. If a saint is peaceful, serene, so serenity, making an attempt to be serene under testing circumstances. Where do I get testing circumstances? Don't worry. Life is going to show you testing circumstances all day long. <laughs> yeah. So those are practices. Yes. Yeah, all we know is material reality. Right, yeah. Um, I can see how from a Vedantic perspective that might seem a little short-sighted, yeah. but I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Hmm. Uh, how would um, knowledge of consciousness and the self enhance my worldly life and my worldly pursuits? Uh, you want to see something? Sure. Would you be able to repeat the questions? Uh, oh, for the microphone. I see, okay. Yeah. Tell me your name. Madhav. Madhav, yes. Uh, how would knowledge of consciousness and the self enhance my worldly life and my worldly pursuits? Yeah. And, and personally, I, I feel like knowledge of consciousness and the everlasting soul, which I sort of view as some form of death anxiety, um, I, I, I see that as disincentivizing having any aspirations. True, true. Uh, my answer to that would be yes, it's disincentivizing. Why? And it's a good thing. Um, first of all, instead of throwing in your way to the materialist perspective or the Vedantic perspective, just try to understand the Vedantic perspective. Notice that it's not just physical reality. It's not just the world. The most accurate description of your experience would be, it's a world in my experience. Isn't it? It has to be. Is there an experience, a neutral world out there? Science will say, yes, it has to be. But no, it's all in your experience. Notice the importance of, of uh, knowledge, of awareness, of mind, in this so-called only physical material world. That is not a problem for science because science will say that's the only way you can do science. Otherwise, you, you can't have an objective science. Great. But from there to jump and say that this objective universe is all that there is, is extending yourself dangerously. Then you'll run up against the hard problem of consciousness because the way a committed materialist would say, would, would position they would take is materialist reductionism. That is, or reductive materialism. That is, yeah, yeah, I said, we know, all we know is the world, the material world, the material reality. This we and know, self and knowledge, these are all products of the brain. Brain is matter. Matter is producing consciousness. Uh, 
How? Is that a scientific fact? Is it established? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, I mentioned Sam Altman recently, just now. Uh, what all that, for me, all that ChatGPT does, AI does, is to reinforce that consciousness is very different from mental faculties. Intelligence. You can replicate intelligence. You can replicate memory. You can replicate creativity. Modern uh, computers, uh, uh, they are writing short stories and painting pictures which are winning awards in competitions. Recently, they shut down a science fiction magazine because they got so many contributions. Suddenly, burst of pretty good stories. All written by AI. Now what do you do? Now, from my perspective, notice, now AI is able to do everything we consider to be faculties of mind, except one thing. Consciousness. The AI is not self-aware. Who says? Ask Sam Altman. Ask the experts. None of them will say that AI is self-aware. I hope I get the chance to talk to him. I mean, why I'm repeating his name is just yesterday I got this proposal that would you like to have a debate with Sam Altman? <laughs> so, I said, okay, that's good. We'll see. Um, so, that's one side of it. That means the mystery of consciousness is not yet, it's, at least from, even from a materialist perspective, consciousness, one must admit that it, there is a mystery there. If you don't admit a mystery, there are people who don't admit it's a mystery. It's like Daniel Dennett and others are there. But I think that's just being, um, that being um, obstinate. Patricia Churchland, for example, is saying that, no, none of this philosophy, consciousness studies, none of this is important. You just need to keep on doing neuroscience and once we'll solve it. So that's one side of it. Forget consciousness also. Just the thought that we have. A thought. Just now you had a thought before you asked a question. What is science's position on that thought? If material reality is all that we have, that thought also must be a material reality. Because we are experiencing it. You can't deny that we have thoughts. Nobody denies. Even Minsky doesn't deny. He has lots of thoughts. Mathematical thoughts. Now, let me ask a question. Where is this material reality called a thought? The only thing that you can point to is electrical activity in the brain. But electrical activity is electrical activity. How is it a thought? Where is the jump between bursts of electricity racing between um, you know, the axons and dendrites and all in, in your neurons and you know, equations and feelings? And now, what good does it do? This knowledge of consciousness, a Vedantic knowledge. First of all, why should it do any good? That is Vivekananda's answer. When we ask what, what is the utility? First of all, why should it have any utility? Truth has a utility of its own. If it's true, we must know about it. Then, second, having said that, it does tremendous good. Tremendous good. It tells you who or what you are. And that who or what you are is so amazing that it frees you from the thralls of matter. That our previous self-conception I am this body which was born and aging and diseased and is surely going to die. That's where it comes, you know, the, what you said, the anxiety, death anxiety. This all-pervasive death anxiety. And basically religion is a response to that. A materialist would say, it's a false response. We are going to die and that's it. Religion, all religions would claim, no, there's a truth here. And the matter is not decided. So, 
you will realize this consciousness is not something that's born or destroyed. In that case, if you are this consciousness, you are not born, you do not die. It's a body which is born and destroyed. And it, once you begin to see this, it becomes self-evident that this consciousness is not something that can be created or destroyed. Things are created and destroyed to this consciousness or uh, presented to this consciousness. Does it disincentivize pursuit of material realities? No, it changes your priorities. Earlier, material realities, material goals were all that we could think about. Uh, we were, you know, like most people lead lives of quiet desperation. <laughs> we, right? We lead lives like like uh, rabbits chased by hounds, like racing in fear and anxiety throughout life. It will free you from fear and anxiety. You can still pursue your goals, but your goals might be different. It might not be so self-serving. Remember, if it, if it, one way of looking at it, what would happen if I became enlightened? You just look at the lives of people you consider to be enlightened. Did they all become bored? I wish I was not enlightened. Now I have nothing more to do. It's so boring, I'm enlightened. None of them. They are the only, one thing they never complained about was boredom. They were the freshest of all people. All the saints in all, all uh, spiritual traditions. The most, they had a, a kind of childlike uh, delight in this world and, and a continuous joy and peace and serenity it's worth getting if you meet some of some such person you know you'll be seized with I mean I was seized with it when I saw Swami Bhuteshwaranji I didn't even know that there was a term for it there's a term for it holy envy there's a term for it holy envy and it's, if, if you are lucky enough to see such a person one reaction could be I want what you have I really want what you have you've got something I saw this little old man, he was 96 years old, Bhutesh Andhya, uh, 12th president. And an incredible fascination for thousands and thousands of people every day who just came to look and stare at him. You know? This is a description, this I've seen with my own eyes and I've felt it before I learned the term holy envy. I'm sure many others felt it too. So yeah, there's a great, great uh, benefit, utility in uh, enlightenment. And it's not against science. You can still pursue science. You can still pursue art. You can, you can lead wonderful lives in this, in this uh, life as long as you have a material existence. The lady here and then we'll go to the gentleman at the back and that, that's the last two questions. Yes, tell us your name and ask the question. Yes, um, the Jews have a concept of wrestling with God. When you find it difficult, some people, somebody told me, I can't believe in God anymore, and I have had such devastating experiences in life. So, all right, take that to God. I'm wrestling with the concept of God itself. Take that to God. Uh, if uh, you have a disappointment in this life, go and tell God. Instead of telling everybody, if you have an anxiety, tell God, I mean, you have, uh, you must have a, uh, it, it must be a very specific f form. In Hinduism, we have a, 
concept of a chosen deity. So God is all-pervading, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and so on and so forth. But also, uh, for me, he is Krishna or Rama or the Divine Mother Durga. So then you have uh, something you can hold on to mentally. It's called a support or alamban. Alamban means a support. Now you take that to, to that very personal relationship with God. Just said you would take it to a beloved parent or grandparent or mentor. You take it to God. This is my anxiety. You take care of it, my Lord. I am set free. Every day in the night, whatever I have uh, done with my hands and feet, um, with my all my sense organs, I'm repeating from Sanskrit mantras, uh, with my sense organs, whatever I've seen, smelt, tasted, touched, uh, heard, whatever I have thought, whatever I've said, whatever I've thought, uh, whatever I've felt, all of this, Brahmarpanam Bhavatu, I offer this unto the radiance that is Brahman. Before I go to sleep tonight, I, I, I empty myself out into, into God. Everything that we do, every action you take, you're anxious about a job interview, about this. Or, um, all right, it's an adventure. The Divine Mother is with you because this is the vibhuti of God. That you are in these dire circumstances. Now you have to fight the battle of life. And go at it. With, with uh, Vivekananda says, set yourself to work. You will see tremendous energy will come. Hold on to God, positive energy will come. Tremendous energy will come. That was a question from Tanya. How do you take, um, how, speak more about how do you direct the negativities towards God? Yeah. The two gentlemen there. One of you, please ask, and the next person. Tell us your name and ask the question. Uh, my name is Mihir. Um, one question I have, I'm not sure if there's an answer to it, but is there any significance to as why Krishna is having this conversation with Arjun as opposed to like others, like Yudhishthira? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Why, why was Arjun chosen to have this? Um, so Arjun is sort of a person who's excellent in many regards, also very representative of the rest of us. Um, Shankaracharya answers this question in, his, in the beginning of his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. He says, When something is accepted by an excellent person, as a, you know, people look up to in society, then it's accepted by many, it spreads. So that's what I see, Vivekananda. Many of us who come here, I also, we are all attracted first by Vivekananda. People are attracted by Vivekananda. Sri Ramakrishna was far higher, but they think he's crazy. <laughs> he's this uh, weird, half-mad. People in his lifetime, they thought he's a half-mad uh, priest of Kali. But they couldn't, um, you know, they didn't know what to say when Vivekananda becomes a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. Here is this person, debate with him as much as you like. He is more learned than all of you combined. He's more talented than all of you combined. He can... Uh, um, joke with you and tell better jokes than all the best stand-up comedians. He can curse with the worst, most foul-mouthed of, mouth of people. He can wrestle. He can um, he can shoot. He can all of that which you would look up to in a person. He's got it, and he's spiritual, and he thinks that Sri Ramakrishna is an incarnation, and he's uh, that he gives all of it to Sri Ramakrishna and he dedicates his life. Now, then it spreads. Then it spreads. So that's why Arjun was selected. Yudhishthir was maybe too good. He's not exactly a representative of all of us. You would expect somebody very saintly like Yudhishthir. 
to be um, selected. You know. But then we would immediately think, that's not me. I don't, I don't have, and Yudhishthira did not have many of these questions. He was already well along the path. Arjuna is just great, people admire him, but also he's every man. Like Vivekananda asks the same questions, has the same doubts, and which we would put to Sri Ramakrishna. That's why. No, no, you, you are. Shreya is that which is uh, uh, good. Prayer is that, desirable. Shreya is that which is beneficial. And prayer is that which is pleasant. Often the pleasant and the beneficial are not the sad, uh, same thing. That's the sad tragedy of our lives. If the pleasant things are always good things, then life, we would all be great. But the pleasant things are not always good things. And good things are not always pleasant. Um, so, we have to make a choice. The Katopanishad says, you always, ev and when you make the choice, every moment of your life, you just think now, should I sit like this or should I sit like this? Should I pay attention to what he is saying or should I just, uh, when will this be over? <laughs> Shreya and prayer. <laughs> one takes me towards growth and spiritual life and self-development, another one makes me degenerate. And every moment this choice comes before us. Vibhuti Yoga is a great way of selecting Shreya. Because it shows God in every... You can still look at the sun as the sun, a ball of uh, hydrogen atoms, uh, nuclei smashing into each other and becoming helium and rele releasing light and <laughs> heat and energy. Uh, but you can also look at it as the um, glory of God. So it's a choice. Can we apply? Vibhuti Yoga becomes a wonderful practice then. It, it's, uh, even to do Vibhuti Yoga, you need to continuously select the Shreya. All right, um, those two, and there was one more person at the back, right back. Yes, tell us your name and ask the question. Mr. Swamiji, uh, my name is Prasun. Um, so going back to your uh, question of like chanting these or uh, vices to God, um, I initially thought of like Ravan being able to have all of Shiva, but he still had like the flaws with him. So I'm still trying to understand like, so he's, uh, Prasoon is asking, how do you channelize your negativities, greed and lust and anger towards God? Ravan, he says, uh, was a Shiva Bhakta. He was a devotee of Shiva. But um, he was still a villain. He was, he was a villain. He was a crook of the highest order. Now, how do you... But he was not practicing um, spiritual disciplines. He was not channelizing his greed or lust or anger towards God. He had, his devotion towards God was not for enlightenment or God realization. It was a more conventional kind of religion. Let things go for well for me. My, let my empire get bigger and bigger. Let what I want, let me get what I want. All by the grace of Shiva. <laughs> yeah. no, that's the majority of religious people around the world. Temples, churches, mosques are full of people. Let things go well for me in worldly life. What about enlightenment? What about Vibhuti Yoga? Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have got worldly certain goals to achieve in my career, in my relationships, in my personal health, and that's what God must help me with. And that's it. Enlightenment? Well, in addition to that, if he gives me enlightenment, I'll take it. 
I'll take it. No, Ravan did not want enlightenment. Ravan was not practicing channelizing his negativity. Then he wouldn't have done what he did. So all that was fight of good and evil because the evil was there in Ravana and he directed it towards the world. Okay. Now I'll do a peace chant and then we'll conclude. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu